Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam Renee and our good friend Kenny. How you guys doing? I'm doing excellent. Kenny, what's up with you? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice Sunday out here. How about y'all? It's gorgeous down here in Southern California, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hot. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't hot. even think it's... 90 degrees? Well, it's probably where Renee lives at is probably about 95. Yeah, it's a little bit hotter. Yeah, it's a little bit hotter here in the valley, so it's uh it's a scorcher, but it's beautiful. It's nice. Yeah, it's about 85 where I am, so I'm not complaining because I've been waiting months for this cuz as you guys know, the weather's just been a little crazy. It's not been as hot as it usually is in Southern California for this time of year. So I'm happy. Kenny, what's going on in Charlotte in the Carolina? (laughs) Man, we're getting that same like 90 degree weather. Like it either it rains or it's really hot. Like it's sunny right now, but I feel like it's going to rain at any moment. It almost feels like I'm living in Florida. (laughs) For these last two weeks is what it feels like. But I know that 95 out there is probably way different than it is here. I know that is some dry, dry heat compared out here. You know what's so crazy? And we're going to jump into some NASCAR talk after I say this one thing. New York is hot. And if you guys saw the news, the power went out. So New York was in the black. But I just couldn't help but think that's because of people running their air conditioning. If you know anything about New York, New York is an old city, so a lot of people have makeshift air conditioners. It's not like it's built into the home or they're running fans and all that. So not that anyone was interested in that fact. I just threw that out there because I remember (laughs) when I lived in New York, I used to always be like, why does anybody live in this city without an air conditioner and all this humidity? So now I just live in L.A. without an air conditioner because I live in an older home. But it, I have four windows in my room, so it's not like, you know, I'm going to die, but I'm going to die right now in this podcast because I closed all the windows because <laughs> I'm not in the studio. I'm recording from my bedroom and I'm hot. So let's get on to some NASCAR talk. Let's do it. You guys want to just jump into the top 10 and then break yep. down Kentucky and talk about let's all the rest yeah. of the good stuff that's going on in NASCAR? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Our lack of good stuff that's happening in NASCAR, but that's another story. <laughs> Top 10 at Kentucky. Kurt Bush, you already know it was Kurt and the Kyle show for the last two laps. Kurt edged out his brother Kyle for the win. Kyle was mad, left his brother in Kentucky. His brother had to find a ride home because apparently they were sharing the same plane. <laughs> or I guess it's not sharing. Kurt was hitching the ride from. Kyle on his private jet and he left him. Yep. Eric Jones, the young guy keeping his playoff hopes alive, came in third. Kyle Larson, he eased his way back up to another top five finish. Denny Hamlin, same thing, fifth place. Um, you know, we're waiting on Denny to have this breakthrough season because if I'm not mistaken, your girl Tam 
Well, I know I'm, I can't say I'm not mistaken because I know I picked him to win the championship, so he better get it together. <laughs> and I know Renee has picked him several weeks to win, but he yes. just falls flat each week. Clint Boyer, who led a bunch of laps, who had me really like, whoa, that was actually the highlight of the race for me until Kurt and Cal battled it out, was watching Clint lead those laps, really thinking that he could get away with the W. But of course, we know that didn't happen. Joy Logano came in seventh, and he was pissed. I don't know if he was madder than Kyle Busch, but Joy was mad because he believed that he had the fastest car on the track. But your fast car barely got a top 10 finish, so wasn't too good of a car. But hey, well, I guess I can't say it wasn't too good of a car, but you didn't will it to first place, so it doesn't make a difference. Daniel Suarez, who sat on the pole, and technically... It was his second career cup pole, but really it was his first earned because if you guys remember when he had sat on the pole before, it was because the car who actually qualified was disqualified in inspection. Daniel came in eighth, and was that Ryan Newman or Ryan Blaney who came in ninth? I haven't did that in a while. Let me see if I can just double check that fact real quick. I think it might have been Blaney. Think it was Blaney? Or was it? It's Newman in knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newman came home in knife. He actually did decent. He led a couple laps off of a restart. Him and uh, Ricky Stenhouse who finished in twelve. Okay, and then Chris Busher rounded out our top ten at Kentucky. So there you guys have it. What do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about Kurt Busch, fabulous win, and all his? conversations afterwards do you guys want to talk about how he did it old school and i'm just gonna throw my two cents in about kurt actually i did want to say that i think just that entire last couple of laps and we talked about this real real briefly uh before we started the podcast but i thought that those last couple of laps really saved (laughs) the day of this race because i mean what a finish first of all i thought that was the most exciting part of the race. And I understand why Joey Logano is, is pissed. He l- could have easily probably won that race, but for some reason, I don't know what happened to his car, but it just seemed like Kurt Busch and Kyle Busch took over that race. And even Eric Jones even had a shot to win that race too. I, he actually came out ahead just a little bit and then Kurt and Kyle took over and then it just became the Kurt and Kyle show. And that was just really an amazing finish that I thought saved a, for all intentional purposes, a pretty boring race. I don't know how you felt about it, uh, but uh, Kenny, if you want to throw your two cents in, go for it, brother. Yeah. So last night, I thought the finish, like we all, I'm pretty sure all of us agree on, and quite a few NASCAR fans think the same. It was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. It was great. We got a a battle of the two brothers. We haven't really seen too much of that even throughout their career in Cup. So that was pretty cool to see both of them duke it out for those last couple laps. And even Eric Jones, who almost got himself in the mix there at a point, but he just didn't have enough card, what it seemed like. But Kurt and Kyle wheeled it all the way to the front, those those final three laps, and it made a hell of a show at the end. Just the beginning of the race and the middle portion obviously weren't really anything crazy. It was just pretty much like Kentucky as is. And again, I think this will always go down as of now. One of the most memorable moments we'll have from Kentucky, because other than that, I couldn't even tell you. (laughs) And ironically enough, Kyle Busch got his first win there. So it got his first win for the track in 2011, which is pretty cool. 
And then here comes in 2019 where we have him and his brother battling it out. And this time, Kurt was on the other end of the <laughs> and he got the dub. So thought it was a fun finish, but not the greatest middle portion, I'll say. Well, you said it regarding the middle and the end. And we discussed this like Renee alluded to before we got on the call. A lot of people weren't really happy with the race, but I'm confused based on the polls. Every week we do a poll right at the end of stage two where we ask simply, are you enjoying the race? And this is to our Twitter people. Like every week we posted on Twitter, are you enjoying the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky so far? Hashtag NASCAR. Now, this changed because this is not what it was given in terms of results. Until, like it literally, when I posted this at the end of stage two, it was really lopsided. And then I noticed it started to sway a bit. 29% said, yes, I am. 33% said, no, not really. And 38% said it is background noise. That's interesting in the sense that when it was first posted, most people were voting consistently that no, they didn't enjoy the race and that it was background noise. It's still something to be said because only 29% said that they enjoyed the race. And then you have the other almost 70% saying that, no, not really, or it's just background noise. Ironically, when Jeff Gluck posted his poll the day after the race, asking NASCAR fans, was Kentucky a good race? Right now, 80% said yes. And this is over 10,000 people voted. 80% said yes, and 20% said no. I guess it's safe to assume that that finish between Kurt Busch and Kyle Busch saved the race because people were not happy. And I saw some really crazy comments. There was somebody who tweeted us and said that they shouldn't even have Kentucky on the schedule. Wow. Renee, Kenny, I don't know what you guys think, but I can't say Kentucky shouldn't be on the schedule, but (laughs) I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, it's. One of the most recent tracks, obviously, given it was added to the schedule in 2011. I think Kentucky was good, really good as a standalone, kind of how what I still view it as, like in terms of like quality. I felt like the truck race was really good. I think that was the best race of the weekend, as a matter of fact. Xfinity race was, it, it was a whooping, basically. Cole Custer and, and Christopher Bell dominated that show, which is no surprise at all. Had a couple things that happened in between there, and it was kind of similar to how Saturday was turning out, which is crazy. But the thing is, it's very easy to say, okay, let's take it off the cup schedule. But what do you replace it with? That's always the question I always ask. Renee, do you think fans want to go to another track instead? Let me clarify that, meaning that there are some tracks that people just love to hate, and clearly Kentucky is one of them. Yeah. And what's really ironic is that New Hampshire, because I know Kenny's not necessarily a fan of New Hampshire, which we're <laughs> racing right. back to back. <laughs> so do you think fans want to go to say, well, we already do Talladega and Daytona twice a year, so yeah. what else could we do? We do People will lose their mind. <laughs> I know, right? It's just uh more short track racing? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that that is uh definitely an option, I think. Kind of in the boat with Kenny here. It's like, you know, I, I you always try to ask yourself, okay, let's take it off the schedule, but what in the heck do we replace it with? And that's the 
That's the end question. I mean, where are we going to go? So let's 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 get out of Kentucky now. Where do we go? And 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 what is a good answer? I don't know if there is a good answer. So I don't have a problem with Kentucky, but I understand why why some people don't like it. And it's just like Tam says, Kentucky is just one of those tracks that people just love to hate, and that's unfortunate. And what I would like to say is there is a difference between a good race and a good finish. And I think that is the issue here with Kentucky this uh, uh, this past Saturday is I thought it was a great finish, just not a great race. And I think sometimes NASCAR fans are very finicky when it comes to that. So they'll look at the, the way that this, this race finished and they'll go, oh, that was a great race. Well, no, it wasn't. It was a great finish. It wasn't a great race. And I think they, that you have to differentiate the two, you know, if that makes any sense. I will just leave you in this topic with a quote from one of our followers. His user is R-D-E-G-L-A-U on Twitter. Come on, people. This race has had it all so far. That's what Ron had to say. I don't know what to say. Renee, you said what you said. Kenny, we know how you feel. So let's move on. I have a better question for you guys to ponder. Is Kurt Busch that good in any equipment? Ooh. Well, he seems to uh, he seems to be proving it. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. Honestly, I think he is. Yep. <laughs> I think he's just as underrated as some people can give him credit for. I think he he even did well when he was in Furniture Row when Furniture Row wasn't that good. I feel like he was pretty talented then and at that point. And even when he was in a unsponsored car with James Finch, like that was pretty much the bottom of the barrel of his career wise and cup, but he still made it work. I think Kurt Busch is a hell of a wheel man, without a doubt. And I think he's been so long since he's consistently had a couple wins. His last season that he had multiple wins was in 2015 where he won two races. That was the last time that's happened. But again, he's not a big stat stuffer when it comes to the win category. He wins races and obviously is a NASCAR champion, but his consistency has always been the been the major key to him you know, having a couple seasons where he's had at least 10 top fives and at least 20 top 10 finishes in a season. So he's very consistent. And I think that's what it is. And then on top of that, being with Ganassi, who's somebody who he wants to be with and wants to work with, that helps out a ton. I think he's definitely got the most out of that car. I don't, I never thought for a moment that there was anything wrong with Ganassi. I just thought there was going to take time for him to build that up. Now, this is a twist on that question because if you guys are saying Kurt Busch is just that good in any equipment, and Kenny, you have thoroughly given us examples of other teams that he's raced in and that he's done well, then what's the excuse of all these other drivers that's in equipment that's not so good? So are you saying, I mean, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but is it safe to say that they just don't know what they're doing? I mean, I wouldn't say it as far as that. I just think some guys are much better with what they have than others are. Just giving the other another example of Ross Chastain, him in Cup when he comes in a premium motorsports car, there's probably no reason why that car should finish in the t- if it can get to the top twenty five some weekends. It shouldn't be there. That car is just a put together. We throw the paint on it. It's kind of last second. It's quote unquote start and parkish. We run it and just make do what it does with it. Same thing with his Xfinity team. He does the same thing. There's no reason why Ross Chastain should be in the top 15 in a JD Motorsports car. And that's not to knock them, but their equipment isn't necessarily like Stuart Haas or Ganassi, for example. 
Some guys are just better with that stuff. That's just what happens sometimes. So here's a question for you, Kenny. Is it that Rouse Fenway equipment is not that good or is it that the drivers? And I just threw that team out there. I think their equipment isn't as good as it used to be. Like, I mean, think about Roush. They were a big time team with like five cars at a point. Now they're down to two cars, obviously, even though Limit is now four, but still, they've really downsized their operation, which is obvious, and everything's not exactly glitz and glam over there anymore, which is unfortunate, but I just think it, I just think their cars aren't as good. So Ganassi, for example, pretty solid. And they can get the job done. So that's just my kind of thoughts on Roush and just same thing with Kurt Busch. And he was good there, too. He was real good there. That's where a lot of his fans came from, I'm pretty sure. Here's a question for Renee. Storehouse Racing. We can't really say it's the equipment, so I guess it's just the drivers this year. (laughs) (laughs) I know I gave Renee the hardest question. He's like, wait, how can I say this politically correct? But let's just be honest. (laughs) Oh, man. And, and you're right, Tim. Stuart Haas Racing is, they, they definitely have better equipment than uh, I think a lot of the other teams, obviously. And they do have better drivers. The thing with Kurt Busch, too, going back to that, is that I think sometimes Kurt also puts himself in a position where he has an opportunity to win. And I don't know if maybe like some of the drivers, let's take Stuart Haas Racing, for example. I think it's all about how you position yourself in the race towards the end, especially to give yourself an opportunity to win. So it may not necessarily always be just the equipment, although it can be that, because if we look at Bubba Wallace and, and what, what he's having to deal with, then that kind of makes you scratch your head and going, well, then what's wrong with Bubba Wallace? I mean, if Kurt Busch can do this, well, why isn't Bubba Wallace? And, that's a, and this is a hard question to answer, but to try to put it in a way that is not where you're like trying to demean or uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Where are you? Uh, you don't want to insult a driver uh, to say that, but it's just how you position yourself during the race. And I, I think Stuart Haas Racing drivers do that for the most part. And they obviously, like I said, they do have better equipment, but I think it's, it all comes down how do you position yourself during the race and especially at the end of the race to give yourself an opportunity to win. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. That was a tough one, Renee. I'm sorry I threw that out at that's you. Right. I just kind of wanted to <laughs> give some answers. Well, not that you guys can answer it for me, because I just, at this point, don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, Clint was up there. I mean, it's operator era, because it's not like these guys aren't there. You had Daniel on the pole. If I'm not mistaken, Eric Amarola lined up next to him. Kenny, you are stats guy, is that correct? They started 1-2, right? I believe they started 1-2 yeah. on Sun- on Saturday, yeah. It's too much equipment. This is too much equipment, more so than driver, I think. So you think it's equipment? I think it's the drivers. I think I think now, and this is, goes across the board, not even just Haas, I feel like it is more, there's more reliance on equipment than your driver. Some guys are better, obviously, but I think it's just too much equipment. I wish there was more more of driver than it was just solely equipment. I feel like it's more of that. Not necessarily with Haas, though. Haas is essentially really good. Don't get it twisted. But I think just overall in cup and, and racing in general, well, he's stock car racing. It's just too much dependence on equipment. Like there's some talented drivers, just like Renee was referring to Darrell Wallace Jr., for example. Like we, we know it's more of equipment than it is him. He can drive. He can We've drive, Kenny, but I'm going to say this. Yeah. 
it is. I'm not saying it's Kurt Busch, though. I'm not saying that. It is equipment primarily with Bubba, but it also is him. Is operator era. That's my opinion. Because, like, he did something. He has spun out at Kentucky. And I was like, wait, where ain't nobody around you? What's going on? Well, yeah, his tire cut down. That's why. That, that ain't nothing he can do about that. I don't. You, you sure it was his tire? tire? I thought he just lost control. No, he cut down that right front tire. A lot of people cut down those tires this weekend. If you say so. Okay, well, I will say one thing. I felt as if Kurt Busch was vindicated winning at Ganassi after leaving Stuart Haas so soon because he made some comment about the contracts not working out. He gave props to Tony Stewart, but just said the contracts didn't work out, came over to Ganassi, got the contracts done in 30 minutes. It was kind of like a slight, but it wasn't, but it was. It was like, look, y'all was over there BSing. I came over here. We just said, okay, boom. Here's a PN sign the agreement. And I've won. Now I kind of felt that's the way he threw it out there. I took it that way too, Tam. Kurt had a lot to say, but I always enjoy listening to him because he's intelligent and his thoughts are, when he speaks, it's well thought out. If that makes sense. And I'm not saying that anybody else is not intelligent, but I do enjoy listening to him talk. But yeah, that was what I got from him. He was like, okay, yeah, I've won. Now what? Yeah, his crew chief, his crew chief took some shots too. <laughs> well, it was his crew chief's first time winning, right? That and he also said, um, Kevin McCall, I believe is his name. He said, I've got a wheel man now. Remember who was in that car last year? Remember who couldn't really do anything in that car last year? That is all I'm going to oh, say. Oh, he is not throwing shots at Jamie McMurray. I feel like he was to me. That that was my personal take on that. Okay. I, like I want to say yeah. this in Jamie McMurray's defense. Jamie has won all the major races. I give him that, but that last those last couple of seasons, nothing. Not, well, I'm going to tell you this, and I think I may have said it before. He was my first interview like a thousand years ago when I first came into NASCAR. And I wasn't that versed on everything, but I knew enough to ask him the question about, I think I asked him something to the effect, how does it feel to have won all the major races but not win a championship? Would you trade that in for either or? I cannot remember exactly what he said, but maybe I'll post it on our website, the, a link to the interview so you guys can read the full thing. Oh yeah. Keep in dope. mind, this interview is probably almost a decade old, but yeah, but he had, but I guess then too, that's actually crazy because he had won all those major things almost a decade ago. So. <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. crazy. It has, actually, he won everything. it has been that long. Yeah. That was 2010 and he won everything that year. And he even the thing the thing about Jane McMurray is I remember when he came into the sport and Cup at least in 2002. So he replaced Sterling Marlin, who was I think was out because he got hurt. I think at Kansas the following week at Charlotte. Then he goes mess around and win the Coke 600. It was interesting. That was pretty. And then that's how he pretty much sprung into a ride full time in 03. And the rest is essentially history. Quick question for you, Kenny. You said that Kevin McCall, who is Kurt's current chief, crew chief, was once Jamie McMurray's crew chief. Why wouldn't Kyle, why wouldn't Kurt Bush take his crew chief with him? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes that stuff happens where they'll they'll move along with the driver. Same thing with spotter. Same thing happens. Other times that doesn't happen. I know, like with Truex, he brought us literally brought his whole team yeah. to Gibbs with him. I, 
So I think Gibbs, uh, not Gibbs, excuse me. I think Truax was a rare case, but I don't ever see, I don't see that happen all that often where a guy brings his crew along with him to the next team. So who is Daniel Suarez's crew chief? Because Daniel took Kurt's car, which can I say this? Sometimes I look at Kurt. So, well, see, I'm still doing it. Sometimes I look at Daniel on the track and I think it's Kurt. Uh, the, it was like so much <laughs> Because movement. of the car colors? No, because of the number. I just think like, oh, Kurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing is I don't miss Jamie. I don't look at the number one and still think Jamie McMurray, which is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. who is, where did Daniel's crew chief come from? Daniel's crew chief is Billy Scott, and he was Kurt Busch's crew chief in 2018. Okay, so maybe the contract sometimes is with the team as opposed, you know, like maybe they sign like a four-year deal with the team. Yeah, because he's been around, he's been around for a decent bit. He's been in Cups since 2014, and he was Brian Vickers' crew chief early, Clint Boyer, Brett Moffitt for some time, David Reagan, Michael Walsher, Danica Patrick for two seasons, and then he rolled over into Kurt Busch's spot in 2018. And then once, I guess he came back and signed his deal or whatever he did. And he was back with Daniel. He has a great personality. I can't, I don't even know who he is, but I'm going to tell you, he has a great personality because he's been with the best. Well, no, excuse me. He's been with the worst of the worst and he's still been able to maintain a job. Somebody likes him because oh, yeah, he's not with any winners. You, you mentioned Danica. Huh? Okay, cool. Moving on, <laughs> should we talk about the package? I don't know. I don't really care to talk about the package, but I saw an article about the package. Nobody <laughs> talked about yeah. the package this weekend. Great. Yeah. Surprisingly, not as many people talked about it, but the note that I took from it essentially was looking at Kansas and looking at Chicagoland and looking at Charlotte and the Coke 600. Looking at those races... Because it was so cool at night and the temperature was just about right, that's why we got those races. Now, I was thinking the same with Kentucky, especially since Kentucky has a, a relatively fresh surface. It's not old by any means, but it's fresh enough to the point where this package you would think would have done exactly what they're looking for. They got that to an extent. Again, you get the restarts. You have three, four, and for some odd damn reason, five wide sometimes. You get all of that mixed in. And yeah, it happens for a couple laps and then everyone just strings out because as usual, clean air is king. That's nothing new, nothing short of the stretch. I thought Kentucky was going to be a little crazier given it has such a fresh surface, but it didn't exactly pan out that way. And I don't know what this this eye test necessarily is or if this was what is they're looking for, but I don't think this is what was advertised. We We keep talking about this is supposed to be much, much closer. This, that, and the third. If we didn't have a caution, there would be no talk of a close finish. Whoever was in the lead would have just went away, and they just would have ran with it. I don't think anybody would have caught them, but hey, that's that. That's that, because I never really say much about the package, and I don't think, I don't want to speak for Renee. Did you want to say something, Renee? That makes two of us, Tam. Okay, cool. Well, I guess there wasn't much going on in NASCAR this week so we can move into some predictions well there was a lot that happened in sports i just want to give a shout out to serena for beating herself because that's what i think happened serena did not win and shout out to lewis hamilton who won the british grand prix for the sixth time which is a record and shout out to the indycar race that 
We don't know who the winner is because I think it is on as we're recording this podcast. So shout out to Joseph Newgarden, my boyfriend in my head, because I think he's going to win. And <laughs> did the tennis match finish? Yeah, it just it just finished not long ago. So it was a four and a half hour match. Oh, who won that? I think Federer won that, if I'm not mistaken. Did he really? Okay. Let me see. Well, shout out to Federer, if, if that's the case. Check on that. Wow. Dokovic is... is- is really good. Nah, never mind. Djokovic did win. That's right. He did win. Oh, do- okay. Do- made a mistake. Yeah. It was close, though. It was close. That thing lasted forever. It was the longest championship match, four hours and 55 minutes. Wow. Well, the doubles match was long as well, too, right? The men's Man, double. Man, it was crazy. I, I remember we talked on the phone when the men's double had started, and it was still going by the time we got out the phone. I don't remember what time that thing ended, but it started in the morning and it ended in the afternoon. It was crazy. Jeez. Well, shout out to the NBA for overshadowing the NFL. We are forgetting that the NFL will head to training camp later this week. And (laughs) Renee and I off the record, or not really off the record, but not on air, off air. That's what I'm looking for. We're going to talk about his Dallas Cowboys because they practice in Oxnard. And maybe, I know Renee was talking about driving up, but maybe I'll hitch a ride. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but... I think it would be pretty cool to kind of go watch the Cowboys in action yeah. during camp. And yeah, shout out to the Rockets for dumping CP3 and picking up Westbrook, picking up Westbrook, who wanted to play with his boy Harden. That's Renee's hometown team. So we'll yeah, see man. what they do. Shout out to the Astros because Renee's an Astro fan. Yep. And I can't shout out OKC, who is (laughs) Kenny's favorite NBA team because they in a world of trouble. They they not they can forget the playoffs for the next couple of years. That's it. That's all the shout outs. So before I forget, want to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and all that good stuff at Turns No Breaks. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, now known as Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a comment. Your reviews help us grow the podcast. We are available on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We do have a website. The website is updated each week with the podcast and a little bit of news, which is typically fans' comments from our Twitter chat that goes down every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, make sure to check out hashtag AskFrontRowKenny on Thursdays on the Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's your opportunity to talk all things racing, primarily NASCAR, with your boy FrontRowKenny. Make sure if you do nothing else in your life, follow Renee on Instagram, as we say each and every week, he's funny as hell. He is worth <laughs> he's worth a click. Yeah, I'm okay. Some thumb action. Oops, I said thumb action. I don't think that sounded right. But he's worth watching on Instagram. How about that? Oh, that yeah. don't even sound right. Get your mind out the gutter. There you go. Follow him on Instagram <laughs> at itsrenegarcia.com. Let's move on with the show and close it out with some predictions. Oh, yeah. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Let's get it. Renee, who you got? All right. 
We are we're in, we're in Daytona this weekend, right? Renee, you're making funnies. No, we're in New Hampshire. <laughs> New Hampshire, one of those two. I knew it was close. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we are in New Hampshire this weekend, and uh, I thought this out, and I thought this out. Did you really tough. think it out? You thought I we did. was in Daytona. I I was drinking last night, so that's probably what happened. (laughs) So we are in New Hampshire, and I thought this out really good with a a lot of thought process. And these are, well, this is my winner that I'm picking this weekend in New Hampshire. I am going with Brad Keselowski. I don't know why I'm picking Brad Keselowski, but I'm just feeling a vibe from Keselowski that he's due, and he's ready for a win, and it's going to come in New Hampshire. And if I have to go with an alternative pick to win this race, I'm going to go with Eric Jones. I thought he had a really good race yesterday there in Kentucky. He could have won that race easily. But I think he might pull out New Hampshire uh, if Brad Keselowski doesn't take the checkered flag. Those are my picks, and I'm sticking with them. Okay, those are Renee's picks. Kenny, what say you? All right, we're going to Loudoun, flat track up in New Hampshire. I'm actually going to go with someone who's worn here pretty recently. Everyone will know once y'all hear the history lesson. But I'm going with Denny Hamlin as my main pick. I think he's due for a win at New Hampshire. Typically a pretty good driver at that track, for one. And then for my alternative pick, I'm also going to pick another recent winner with Kyle Busch, who obviously came home in second at Kentucky. I'm pretty sure he'd be due for a win. And pretty sure if he did it, it'd probably be in dominating fashion. So, that being said, those are my picks. What's up, Tam? Well, the history lesson is not... The past 10 winners this week. So you're going to have to look that information up for yourself. The history lesson is about the notables. And I will throw one fact at you. We've been racing at New Hampshire since 1993. Why? I don't know. Okay. But I just threw that wisecrack out there. (laughs) Instead of giving you guys the past 10 winners, I thought I would give you guys just a little bit of the notables. Kevin Harvick, three-time winner at New Hampshire. Denny Hamlin, also a three-time winner at New Hampshire. Cal and Kurt are three-time winners at New Hampshire. So we have, what is that, four drivers that are three-time winners at New Hampshire. Now, am I picking any of them? Hell yeah. I'm going with little brother (laughs) Kyle Busch for the W because Kyle was pissed. He was pissed and he was right there. I think he can do it. I'm going to pick him as my winner. My alternative, I'm t- this is just me making up crap in my head. I'm going to pick Clint Boyer just because I felt bad. <laughs> He's Well, Clint Boyer is a two-time winner at New Hampshire, but that's my alternative. I feel like at some point, actually, you know what? I retract that. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. Well, see, Kevin, I haven't even really been hearing his name, but... I want to pick a Stuart Haas driver. That's what I want to do as my alternative. I'm going to pick Boyer or Harvick as my alternative. So there you have it. All right. Well, there you go. Those are our picks. What say you? Do you have picks? Hit us up. Just like Tam says across the board at Turns No Breaks on our social media. And I got to say, I love and enjoy doing this podcast with Tam and Kenny. I I really love coming in here and and doing this podcast with you guys. I I love the way that our chemistry flows. I love talking to our fans. I love talking to our listeners. If you listeners out there have anybody that would love to listen to our podcast, please turn them on to All Turns No Breaks. For Tam, Kenny, myself, we will see you next week on another episode of All Turns No Breaks. 
See y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 